0: Thanks. So uh, Tuesday, I had ear surgery. So right now, I'm totally deaf on this side of my my head. So if you try to talk to me downstairs, I'm not going to hear you unless you're over here. And my voice is like 20 times louder in my head at the moment than it is for you. So me talking today could be a little interesting if I'm quiet or if I'm loud. And if it adjusts, it's because I have no idea how loud I'm actually being. Um, So I'm going to pray and then uh, we will start. Holy Spirit, we love you. We thank you that you live inside of us. We thank you that you speak to us. Lord, we ask you for the spirit of wisdom and revelation to rest in this room and that you would open up the eyes of our heart that we would see clearly, that there would be grace in this room to see, in Jesus' name. Amen. So I have like, a, if you've ever had like something important happen to you, um, and you try to explain it to somebody, sometimes it's hard to explain it. So I kind of call that like a burden. I've had a burden for Kairos probably over the last month, and I've tried to put it into a message, and we'll see how it comes out. So the burden is, is I feel that God desires to speak to us more than what we're hearing. I believe that God wants to take us back to the beginning so that we can go farther. And what I mean by that is God has told us in Matthew chapter 18 that we have to be like children to enter the kingdom of God. If we're not like children, then we will not enter. So what does that mean? That means that we have to have childlike faith, right? So the older we get, the more we've been hurt by the church, the more we've been hurt by people around us, we've been abused, we've been lied to, we've been disappointed. All of these things add up on top of us. So if you think each layer of clothes of a wound. Now with a kid, they, they don't have those wounds yet. They have that childlike faith that when you tell them something, they usually believe you. And an example is, is so my daughter Emery, she's the youngest, she's four. Uh, A couple weeks ago, we're just driving in the car, and I start talking to her and my other kids about eternity. I'm telling them what heaven is like. I'm telling them what it looks like, how they can experience heaven now, and what Jesus is like. And after I spent about 10 minutes talking to them, Emery said every single word that I said to other people the next week. She would walk up to people and say, do you know what heaven's like? I know what heaven's like. She would say, do you know that if you don't believe in the real Jesus, you're going to go into the lake of fire? But if you believe in Jesus, you will not go into the fire. But it has to be the real Jesus and not the fake Jesus. You know. (laughs) So she, for the past two weeks, when she talks to somebody, she's telling people about what I told her. Now, she hasn't experienced heaven as as far as I know, but she believes in heaven as much as I believe in heaven, and it's because she has childlike faith. So God has, we have to position our hearts to believe what the Bible says. And sometimes we know, um, we know the Bible front and backwards, We know what it says, and we can tell people about it, but it's not inside of our heart. And we have to come to the place to where it's real inside of us so that we can enter into the kingdom of heaven. Now, I'm going to talk about eternity. I'm going to talk about God being inside of us. And it's my desire that you will feel something different today or think of something new that you've never experienced before. Because I believe, as a Christian, our inheritance is his presence. All day long, no matter where I am, no matter what I'm doing, his tangible presence rests on me. It's not a feeling, even though it affects feelings. It's not an emotion, even though it affects my emotions. It's not a thought, even though it affects my thoughts. It's the tangible presence of the Lord resting on me all day long. Now, I didn't earn this. There's nothing I did that allowed his presence to come. It's because I believe he's inside of me. With the revelation that Jesus is inside of me through the Holy Spirit and that I am here and I'm in heaven with him, I feel his presence no matter what I do. Now, even when, now this is a a good example. Even, I'm going to say two weeks ago, uh, my wife and I got into an argument. Okay, And let's just say this argument was all my fault, and I did not act like Jesus in this argument. So uh, I'm at the moment sleeping on the couch, and I feel the presence of the Lord on me. And I was just a jerk. His presence didn't leave me because I responded like a jerk. His presence rested on me and I could feel it. So I would turn to repentance and feel what he feels so that I can move forward with my relationship with my wife. So my point in saying this is, is no matter what we do, we're not going to earn his presence and we're not going to lose his presence because it's always inside of us. Once he comes in, he doesn't leave unless I reject him as my savior. Okay. So I'm going to start in John chapter three, because I think it's a funny story. I'm going to read part of it starting in verse nine. This is, uh, the context is Nicodemus is a teacher of Israel. He's coming to Jesus to learn about what, how to be reborn. Nicodemus responds and says to him, how can these things be? Jesus said to him, you are the teacher of Israel, yet you don't understand these things. Now, I'll just pause right there. Now, that's hilarious to me um, because Jesus is messing with Nicodemus right now. Like, he knows he doesn't understand, and he's making it sound like he should understand, even though Nicodemus has no idea what being reborn is. Then it says, truly, truly, I say to you, we speak of what we know and testify of what we have seen. My question to you is, who is we? We isn't the apostles. This is the beginning of Jesus' ministry. They don't have a clue of what's going on. Who is we? We is the Father, we is the Son, and we is the Holy Spirit. The more you read John, the more you will see that Jesus speaks as the Father is in him and the Holy Spirit is in him, and they speak together. When one speaks, they all speak. So he's saying what I believe is we are testifying of what we've seen. Now, verse 12, if I told you earthly things and you do not believe, how will you believe if I tell you heavenly things? His desire is for you to know earthly things because he wants to speak to you about heavenly things. Why does he want to speak to you about heavenly things? Because for all of eternity, we're going to experience heaven. We're only going to experience this earthly stuff for maybe 90, 80, 100 years. He wants to tell us about the things to come. He wants to show us the place that he has prepared for us, that John says. Now, we'll keep going. This is a good verse. No one, verse 13, no one has ascended into heaven except the one who descended from heaven, the son of man. Now, most people preach that as it's talking about the resurrection. But if you read it in context, it's a present thing. He's saying the only person who's went up is the one who's went down. So Jesus is saying that even though I'm here on the earth, I have been up there with the father and with the Holy Spirit and I have encountered heaven even though I'm here speaking to you now. That is a doorway in the spirit for us to learn and to grab onto and say, my inheritance from Jesus' mouth is everything the Father has given Jesus, Jesus has given to us. I am in him and he is in us and I have the ability to know and to see and to feel heaven even though I'm down here on earth. Amen? So, I'm going to continue in John. I encourage you, if you read John for a month, the book of John, you would see how much more that John refers to the three of them being one and him being in us and us being in him. And if you take that literal, literally, it will open up a grace around you for you to feel his presence and to encounter the living God. Now John chapter 14 verse 17 the helper the holy spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it does not know him or see him but you know him because he remains with you and will be in you so at this moment the holy spirit hasn't been released inside of the apostles you know what what the bible used talks about is that the Holy Spirit would rest upon them. And Jesus is saying, he's no longer going to rest on you. He's going to be in you. Now, verse 23, if anyone loves me, he will follow my word and my father will love him. And we will come to him and make our dwelling in him. I'm going to say that again. If anyone loves me, he will follow my word. What is his word? Now, what we've been taught, because we're in 2023, when we think of the word, we think of the Bible. You say, this is the word of God. But when Jesus is saying this, the New Testament isn't written. There is no Bible to refer to as the word of God. Jesus is referring to the words that are coming out of his mouth to them, which is in the Bible, but it's more than the Bible. It's what the words that God speaks over you. When God speaks over you, if you believe them and you honor them, He's saying that my Father and I will dwell in you. He doesn't say Holy Spirit, He says, I and the Father. But then later on, we'll see how He says, Well, when the Holy Spirit's in you, then all three of us are in you. And that is where Revelation starts to give birth to grace for us to enter in to feeling his presence all day long. Now, John chapter 16, verse 12, I have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now at the present time. So Jesus is saying, I have so many more things to tell his apostles But his apostles aren't ready to receive what he wants to share. And then it goes on and says, but when the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. For he will not speak on his own, but whatever he hears, he will speak. And he will disclose to you what is to come. Now, a lot of people who are prophetic, they use this verse and they talk about, this is the verse of how you learn how to prophesy that the Holy spirit will tell you what thing, what God is saying about a certain person in front of you, which is true. But what God, what he's saying, if we take it into context, he's saying, I can't tell you what I want to share with you, but when the Holy spirit comes, he will share with you the things that I desire to share with you. And it says that he hears what the father and the son are saying and discloses it to us. So, if I asked you, where is the father and the son right now? We would say in heaven, right? We could agree that they're up there on the throne and we can look at Ezekiel one, Isaiah six, whatever your favorite scripture is about the throne. And we know that there's tons of angels around, creatures, seraphim, cherubim, a lot of action is going on in heaven. Do you think the father and the son are only talking about earthly things? or are they engaging with the things in heaven that are in front of them? Are they talking to believers? Are they talking to angels? Are they interacting with the things of heaven? Because if they are and they're talking, that's what the Holy Spirit hears and that's what the Holy Spirit wants to tell you about. He wants to tell you about the things to come. Why is that? Because twofold, one, if you are, uh, having a really, let's say you're persecuted and you're having a really hard time and you're being persecuted, it gives you hope that in the age to come, it's going to be better for you. Yeah. But in America, here's an interesting fact. In the world, in the whole world, the 1% is people who make $35,000 or more. You would be living in the 1%. So with that in mind, I believe it's harder in your heart to think about eternity and to believe in eternity when you have so many good things going on in your life, because you don't have that longing for righteousness or justice to come and deliver you because you have nice things. So you have to work harder to believe and have faith in heaven and eternity. And, God will give us the grace to do that. Now, in verse 14, again, we're still in chapter 16. He says, he will glorify me, for he will take from mine and will disclose it to you. All things that the Father has are mine. This is why I said that he takes from mine and will disclose it to you. So over and over in John, Jesus says That whatever the father's is, is his. And the Holy Spirit is going to be the one who gives it to us. And that we are entered into that inheritance. Now, the best way for us to feel his presence, in my opinion, is you have to either have revelation of a scripture that opens it up to you like a doorway. Or you have to have an encounter. Luckily, I've had both. So when I got saved, I didn't get saved until I was 20 years old. I was a really bad person, nothing good inside of me. And I was sitting in a chair and in a blink of an eye, I closed my eyes and I was somewhere else. I was standing before the Lord Jesus. He looked at me in the eyes and then he turned his back. And as soon as he turned his back, I saw the thousands of demons. And not one word was spoken, but I knew I could either choose the demons or choose Jesus. But when I chose Jesus, I knew I got all of him. It wasn't that I had to earn anything. I just got it. And so then when I got saved and I started reading John in John chapter 17, he says, Father, I desire that they be with me where I am. I in them and you and me, that we would be one as they would be one as we are one. That scripture pierced my heart and I believed instantly that I am in Jesus and Jesus is in me forever. That everything Jesus has is mine because he gave it to me. It's my inheritance. I didn't earn it. There's nothing I did to earn salvation. There's nothing I did to earn my inheritance. He freely gave it to me so that I could be with him forever. And it's something that is in my spirit and in my soul that will never be taken from me because I have faith that the word is true. And if you feel discouraged about what I've been saying and you haven't been feeling the presence and you haven't been uh, thinking of eternity, don't be discouraged. I'm gonna give you keys on how to move forward And demons want to discourage you. Hope is going to give you grace and for the future. And so if you feel discouraged, you just tell that demon to shut up and let's move forward into your inheritance. John chapter 10. I love John. Okay, verse 27. My sheep listen to my voice. I know them and they follow me. I give them eternal life and they will never perish and no one will snatch them from my hand. You know, I believe that one of the biggest things the enemy does to us is he makes us fear death. When I was talking to Emery two weeks ago, I said, Emery, you will never die. Your body will die, but your spirit will live forever and it will be a blink. You won't stop. You won't be in the ground you will be with Jesus instantaneously if you die. And she understood that, and she started telling people that. She said, you know when you die, you won't die? That you just keep on living? You know, that is the faith of a child, is when we hear it, we believe it, and we hear it from the word. And it tells us that we will never perish. But it also says that we are the sheep, and he is the shepherd. And we know our shepherd's voice. So here's the question to you. We all in here were born of a woman, right? We all have a mom. There's no Adams. There's no Eves in here that weren't born. Okay, just checking. So do you know your mother's voice? If your mother spoke in a crowd in here right now and said your name, would you be able to pick it out and say, that's my mom? Most of us would. That's how it should be for us with the Holy Spirit. We should know his voice and be able to pick it out above the crowd. How is that possible? It's because we fellowship with him. We ask him questions. We talk to him. We wait for him to respond. And we get our ears tuned to his voice, even to the place where the enemy might try to sound like the Holy Spirit. And then we check it with our heart and say, Holy, Holy Spirit, is that you? Is my heart feel what you feel? And you'll know instantly because you'll either have peace or you'll have this uneasy feeling. Right. You have the uneasy feeling? It's not the Holy Spirit. Right. It's the Prince of Peace comes. He brings peace to us to lead us. Okay? So I want to try to do an, uh, a fun event. So I have a treasure chest up here. You know, I like to bring props. I like to have fun. Everybody come up and grab an item out of the treasure chest. Right here, this box. Can we get to look in it? Sure. you can look in it. Oh, okay. Only one. We'll have to have Randy up his game. (laughs) See, we had enough, right? Is is there one left? Oh, there's more. Okay, good. Oh, thank you. Thank you. (laughs) All right, so you all have a, a dollar bill. Hold out your hand and put the dollar bill on it. Can you feel the dollar bill in your hand? Yes. You can. Okay. Take the dollar bill and put it on your head. Can you feel the dollar bill on your head? Some yes, some no. Okay. Take it off. Now lean your head back and put it on your face. Can you feel it on your face? Yes. Okay. Put it on your shoulder. Can you feel it? No. Why can't you feel it on your shoulder? You got layers. This is my example of the presence. The more layers we have, the less we can feel his presence. But once you feel the presence in your hand or on your face or on your neck, you know what that feels like. So when it's resting on you, even though you're just driving in your car and you feel his presence, you're just like, okay, Lord, I love you too. You know, it just opens up dialogue. But the more junk I have on me, the less likely it is for me to feel that presence. Now, when you look at that, your dollar bill, is your dollar bill more valuable than the dollar bill next to you? Does it weigh the same? Does it kind of look the same? Now, what's different between yours and the person next to you? The serial numbers. So, in Corinthians, Paul tells us that the Holy Spirit gets to choose what he gives you. It's the same Holy Spirit that gives the gifts but he gets to choose which one you get, but you get gifts. That's the serial number. We're all different, but it's all the same. It all pays the same. The value is the same, but it's unique to us individually because he desires friends who know him. He desires people to talk to. Now, when you guys start thinking about eternity and feeling his presence more, and it starts happening to you and you haven't experienced it very much, one of the things that happens is we get excited and we want to tell other people about it, right? Like if something happens in your life that's exciting, you want to tell people. You know, with Mary, the mother of Jesus, multiple times in scripture, it says that she pondered the things in her heart and she treasured them. I will tell you, I learned very quickly after being saved not to tell people what me and Jesus do. Why? Because as soon as I would be excited on something that me and Jesus did, and I shared it with somebody who I thought would want to know in a kind way, not in a prideful way, what happened? They didn't respond the way I was hoping for. I was casting my pearls before swine. And it got trampled on it hurt my feelings. Oh, who cares? That's not that big of a deal. Oh, okay, good for you. You know, however they want to respond, it hurts. So I learned when I start having things with Jesus, I don't need to go tell everybody what me and Jesus are doing. It's because me and him are having a relationship. Just like I don't tell you everything in what me and my wife talked about or me and Matt talked about or me and Jason talked about. It's a private conversation between two people. And sometimes we share it with others to bring them up and to teach them things. But 99% of the things me and Jesus talk about, you don't need to know about. And it's because I want to be found trustworthy before the throne. I want him to say, Hey, I trust David and I'm going to give him more. I'm going to reveal more of what I have in store because I desire to talk to him. Jesus wants to talk to us more than we want to talk to him. I'm going to say that again. Jesus wants to talk to you more than you want to talk to Jesus. And the way we grow in talking to him is asking questions. Just throughout the day, it doesn't have to be this big religious experiment. You're in the grocery store, you just say, Jesus, what are you thinking about as you're shopping for spaghetti? And you just listen, you don't have to say anything. Maybe you'll hear something, maybe you won't. The point is, is you're growing that muscle inside of you, your spirit to hear his voice above other voices. Now, I wanna, if you have a pen and paper, if you wanna write this down, I'm gonna give you a couple steps Into uh, growing and feeling his presence. Number one, ask Jesus to give you a scripture to give you revelation that he's inside of you. Ask Jesus for a scripture that will give you revelation. Mine's John 17. Yours could be something totally different. That when you get it and you pray over it and you read it, it opens up this well of faith within you that you will never lose that revelation. Number two, pray that you would have childlike faith. Pray it, say it, when I read something that I don't believe, I say it as I do believe it. I find that scripture and I just declare it. And I, declare it. and I declare it and I declare it and I declare it and I declare it. And then eventually, my spirit and my emotions believe it. Because the Holy Spirit comes, the word is powerful, and it changes the inside of me the more I say it. So if you, if one of the things you could say is, Um, my inheritance is to feel your presence. Even if you don't feel it, you just say that. Lord, my inheritance is to feel your presence. I'm gonna feel your presence. You want me to feel your presence. You just declare that conversation with Jesus. This is a good one. I do this with my kids. I tell them, Imagine you're in heaven, you're in Jesus, so you're on the throne. What are you seeing? What are, what's, who's talking? What are you feeling sitting on the throne? What colors do you see? What noises do you see? What does your body feel like? Ask as many questions as you can about what heaven's like. The more you ask, the more will be given to you. Now, I'll tie that to that question, is sometimes, sometimes as adults, we've been taught to stop using our imagination. Emery, my four-year-old, can imagine anything. She has no filter. We need to not have a filter when we're thinking about Jesus. So you need to ask him, if you have a hard time imagining things, like when you read Isaiah chapter 6 or Revelation chapter 4, and you're trying to understand what the throne room's like, but your mind just can't grasp part of it, ask the Lord to give you that imagination, to see it, to feel it, to make it real to you, you know, when I think of his throne, a lot of times I think of his throne with wheels because it says that his throne has wheels and they're, and they're of fire. And then other times it says there's wheels on the earth that are full of eyes. And then there's other scripture that says there's a river of fire flowing from his throne. I ponder those things. I imagine being in the river of fire. I picture myself in it. I picture what color the flames are. I picture how big the flames are. The more I ask questions, the more real it becomes real in my heart so that I believe and have faith in what the word says. Now, another one to say, if you feel like sometimes it's hard to feel the Holy Spirit inside of you, you just declare it. Holy Spirit, you are inside of me. Holy Spirit, you are inside of me. Eternity is inside of me right now. The glory of the Lord is inside of me right now. All the power of heaven is inside of me right now. So you find those truths and you say it over and over because those truths are in John. If the Father and the Son dwell in me, I have all the power in the entire universe inside of me right now. He dwells in me. I'm not alone. So when I feel rejected or when I feel like I'm having a hard time, I literally picture Jesus being inside of me and I'm not alone. And immediately I feel comfort. But if I start thinking I'm alone, then it brings isolation and it causes a wedge in between me and Jesus because I'm neglecting him inside of me. Ask for an encounter. Ask for the Lord to give you an encounter about heaven. You know, in John, it says, Jesus tells the the, the disciples that he goes to prepare a place for them. I take that verse and I say, Lord, show me the place that you prepared for me. Let me see in the spirit what you prepared for me. Set my eyes on things above. Why does God say to set our eyes on things above? Because he wants to show us what heaven is like. He wants to show us what his kingdom is like. The spirit realm is just as real as the physical realm. But we've been taught to neglect the things we cannot see. Thirty. Jesus, I just ask you, or I just declare over the people of this house any anointing or any gifting that you've given me to see in the Spirit to feel heaven, to know your presence. I just release it right now over this room. I just declare that these are your sons and daughters, that their inheritance is to feel you, to know you, to see you, to have friendship with you beyond anything they can hope or imagine. Lord, you have such bigger dreams for them than they can dream. Remove everything that is hindering love. I just take authority over isolation. I take authority over uh, discouragement. I command it to lift off of this household in Jesus' name. I say, hope arise in their hearts. Holy Spirit, come with waves of grace. Let it be fun. Take us on an adventure of seeing who you are through your word. When you speak to us, Lord, let us be obedient. Lord, I just ask you for a fresh grace in this season. Fresh grace to have fun with you. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's go downstairs and eat some good food. Amen and amen.